Tonight we have our next wise thing that we're going to learn from the Proverbs. Tonight we are continuing in our series, Got Wisdom. And our topic tonight is really important, life-changing, trajectory-changing, affects so much of your life. And we're going to see our picture for this week. We had to go big this time. Dr. Tim Miller. I'm not sure if he's praying or if he's like doing a football thing. He was praying. Great. Did you take that picture? Okay. Nice, nice, nice. All right. So we had Tim Miller do our got milk, got wisdom picture. If anybody's seen the Got Milk ads, you could probably go find them. I don't know why he's not doing it. He probably couldn't have noticed with his mustache, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Maybe he has some in his beard, though. I see some white. Is that milk? I don't know. I'll have to ask him. All right. So, Got Wisdom. Got Wisdom is our series this semester. We're walking through the book of Proverbs, and we are learning how to live life intentionally how to live life carefully with care, and how to live wise, right? We want to be wise stewards of our lives. In the book of Proverbs, we see this uh, dichotomy between lady wisdom and lady folly, and we see that we get to choose which way we go. We get to choose who to follow. We can follow wisdom or we can follow folly. And tonight, because what week is it? What's tomorrow? Ash Wednesday, you're right. It is Ash Wednesday tomorrow. You got it. Ash Wednesday, I know that was at the top of your brain. Tomorrow is actually Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day. And so both of these are so important and so important to the area we're going to talk about tonight because Ash Wednesday is the beginning of the Lenten season. And it shows us about how to love intentionally, how to create space, how to love beyond our feelings of the moment, how to choose love. And then Valentine's Day, there's a whole history you can check out. I heard we might have an Instagram post about this tomorrow from also Marina. I think you should also do a picture at some point. Yeah, of you with milk. Yeah, yeah. If you have any suggestions for milk pictures, also talk to Marina. She's our photographer. Makai can also help you with some awesome pictures because she's an amazing photographer. She could be. I saw her picture tonight when I was getting pizza. <laughs> Upstairs. I know. She's everywhere. All right. So tonight we are looking at wisdom in dating. Oh, what? You guys are so excited. I can feel the excitement in the room. <laughs> okay. Wisdom in dating. And we're going to be responding to two primary questions tonight. We're going to talk about why date, we're going to respond to why date, and respond to who to date. All right, so why date? I have a picture. That's me and Josh. Uh, we probably, I don't know how long we've been uh, dating at that point. That's a dating picture. I'm pretty sure that's my, at my college graduation. I just went through my profile pictures, like, all the way back to 2004 when Facebook began. 
Uh, and so that is Josh and I when we were dating. We're just little babies there. So cute. Oh, really? Thanks. Raven said she doesn't look like me. Okay, so great. All right, that's Josh and I. We will be married 15 years this summer. Wow. So we decided to date. And that was good for some of you guys, I guess. Especially Emma, because she's alive. Okay, so we decided to date, but why should we date? Some of you might be thinking about this topic. You might be thinking about dating. You might be thinking about not dating. You might be thinking about other things. But why date? What would you guys say? You can shout it out to me. Why would you say our culture would respond to this question? How would you respond to this question in our culture? Why do we date? What do we see? Attention. Attention. Yeah. Sex. Yeah. Validation. Yeah. Self-fulfillment. Self yeah. Yeah, these are fun. All right, think about your answer. Think about the answers you heard around you. And let me ask you this. Can these things be done in a different scenario, in a different way, with less confusion, less frustration, less heartbreak, and less regret? You think so? Yeah, do you think so? Okay, good. Well, we are gonna say, why, what would wisdom say? Right? We know what culture says. That's kind of like folly. What would wisdom say? Well, the Proverbs, unfortunately, don't have a verse that says, you should date in this way because dating wasn't really a construct then. However, we can still apply the principles we learn about wisdom from the Proverbs to dating today. So what would wisdom say? Also, if you're thinking... I don't want to date anyone. Just stay tuned because we heard about spiritual friendships a couple weeks ago and how important it is to have someone with you to help you figure out life. And so you're going to want to stay tuned for your friends or for the future. Who knows? Okay. So even though the Proverbs doesn't say anything specifically about dating, I would propose I propose that based on based on the understanding we have about wisdom that wisdom would say why date date to marry crazy all right if you're here and you're like you know what I also I don't want to get married that's totally fine we'll talk about that later Totally fine, just don't date. Okay, let's be people who will give our friends advice too. So even if you're like, I don't wanna date, I don't wanna get married, or I don't want that right now, stay tuned, figure this out. So you can help your friends navigate this. You can help other people navigate this with wisdom. Proverbs 18.22 says, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. That's a real verse. I did not write that because I am a wife, but it's true. <laughs> so we see that marriage is intended to be a good thing. But if we're saying, okay, we want to date intentionally, we want to date with the purpose of figuring out if we want to get married, we want to date carefully, we need to know where we're going, right? 
So if we're dating for marriage, what is marriage? What is a healthy marriage? What does Jesus say about marriage, right? What does scripture teach us about marriage? Because if you're dating without an understanding of what a godly marriage is, then it's kind of like trying to go somewhere without knowing the address. Ever done that? <laughs> right? If you're trying to go somewhere without the address, you have to rely on the environment around you, right? Like signs that you see or things that you hear, or maybe you have to rely on your own sense of direction, which for some of us might be better than others. Or you have to rely on the people around you, right? And so we want to talk a little bit about what is marriage so that we can do some working backwards. Okay, if this is where we're going, then that will uh, affect how we get there, right? Okay, what is marriage? I think culture too has two main views of marriage. I think culture has two main views. The first is that marriage is bad, that marriage is restrictive. Ugh, one person for your whole life, awful, gross, horrible. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard this joke. It was big a long time ago in the 1900s, but it's the, oh, a wife, that's the old ball and chain. Like, oh, you heard that? Yeah, terrible. Let's not have marriage shows. Okay, so that's one view from culture. The other view, I think, is different. I think culture's other view of marriage is the marriage will solve all of your problems, marriage completes you when you find the one, and Disney movies, the biggest culprit. Disney. All right, so Disney movies have this thing sometimes where they culminate, the end of the movie is a wedding right yeah we're like oh and then there are these words that appear on the screen does anybody know what they are and they lived happily ever after the end right the end so it all ends once you're married and then everything is perfect, right? The, the thing we're shooting for is just that wedding day, and that's what we're really going for. But what if, what if the wedding isn't the end, but instead, what if the wedding is just the beginning? Right? So I have a picture of Josh and I on our wedding day, and then this is a picture over here of our reception, and that's a picture of someone in the room, and I'll let you... See if you can figure out who it is. It's not Emma. It's me. Anybody got it, Jess? You're right. All right, so what if the wedding isn't the end? What if the wedding is just the beginning? The end goal for dating isn't a wedding. The end goal for why we date is to have a marriage based on covenant love that's an example of how Christ loves the church. It's an example to the world and to us about God's great love and commitment to us. Marriage. Marriage wasn't a result of sin. Marriage was initiated from the beginning. When Jesus has asked about marriage, he does this with a lot of different topics, but when Jesus is asked about marriage, he refers back to Genesis 1 and 2. Because that is where we see God's original intent for the world, where he brings order from chaos, where he 
brings the wild waters and he um, uses them to cultivate the earth and to bring joy and life and peace and flourishing and sustainment to the earth. And so Jesus refers back, and I thought it was really cool because if any of you are doing the bookmark today, Mark 10 says this. Jesus is speaking, and he is referring back to Genesis. And so he says this. He says, in the beginning of creation, God made them, male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What God has joined together, let no one separate. And that was before sin enters. So we know that marriage is not a result of just our human desire after the fall. It's not just a consension by God, but this is something that God actually ordained. And we see God's covenant love in marriage. Covenant love, just as God proclaimed his promises to Israel in the Old Testament, saying that God would be with them, God would be faithful to them always, God still shares that covenant with us today. We still get to be part of that covenant where God says, I will be faithful. I am committed to you. I will be who I am no matter what you do. And the most important part of a wedding celebration, Ashlyn can attest to this, is what? Oh, I'm putting you on the spot. I said, there's no rules, Ashlyn. Ashlyn's getting married, by the way. <laughs> important information. Ashlyn and Nathan. So I told Ashlyn, I think last week or something, I was like, there are no rules for the wedding, except you have to have vows. <laughs> have to have vows because vows are the promises made for this covenant that you're making. The vows are the promises. So vows are the promises that we are reminded of throughout our life. That we say, we will be, we will be this. We will be faithful no matter what. And that's why we need to consider these vows really carefully before we decide to say them. Proverbs 20, 25 says, it is a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly, right? This is kind of along with Proverbs. Proverbs is like, be careful, think about things, like don't. Okay, it's a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly and only later consider his vows. So our vows are like the vows that God gives in his covenant. Our vows in marriage represent that. And our vows, when we're making this promise in marriage, our vows are making a promise with ourselves in the future that it's not gonna be if we make it in this marriage, if our marriage makes it, but it's how are we going to make it. It replaces the if with how. How are we going to be there serving and loving one another? How are we going to be there when sickness comes? A lot of people are sick right now. I'm just saying, wash your hands. You know, when sickness comes, how are we going to be for one another and with one another and loving one another in hard times that we never expected? When the bills come, when life happens. And what you're doing when you make a vow is you are saying, we are going to be this. One of the examples of a traditional Christian vow um, for Christian marriage is this, and it gives nod to this no matter what kind of covenant. 
it's there's an exclusivity in there it's me and you only and then it goes for better or worse in sickness and in health for richer for poorer for better or worse in sickness and in health for richer and poorer what parts do you typically think of when you think of a wedding when you think about getting married Yeah, so a lot of people are saying the better, the health, the richer, right? But what reality is, is that you're going to have some of the yellow words for worse and sickness and poorer. And when you make vows, bless you, you're good. You just got so blessed. <laughs> Receive the blessings. What happens is when you say this vow and you actually mean it, when you say, hey, we're entering a covenant, and the covenant is saying, we are going to do this no matter what. You're saying, I really mean what I'm saying. You're replacing that if we make it to how we make it. And so it changes the way you interact. It changes the way you deal with things. And what happens is trust is grown. And there is a space for vulnerability because you know that this is a safe place. And it calls back to our covenant with God where we know God is faithful to us. And it's only because we understand God's faithfulness that we can make vows like this. Because we can say, even if, I know that God is going to get us through, even if whatever happens. Within marriage, there is covenant. There are those vows and promises made. And in marriage, there is oneness. We are together. It says in our passage in Mark for today, and if you don't have a bookmark, you can get one. I also love to listen to the chapters. Did you know that YouVersion, the Bible app, the free Bible app, will speak to you in a British accent, like a grandpa? That's the one I have on. Highly recommend. So soothing. I'll tell you. I'll tell you about it. Yeah, I got you says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one. The two shall become one flesh. Yes, physically, and in everything else. This idea of oneness, about it's, a, it's not just me and you, it's we now, right? So when we're having conflict, it's us against that problem. When we're making decisions, it's us, it's we decided we're making decisions. There is oneness in marriage. And we image the covenant that God has with us to the world. And what a great picture of God that would be, a marriage like this, where two people are intentionally joining together in covenant, where they are making promises that they will be faithful no matter what where there is forgiveness abounding, where there is service, there is sacrifice. When I think about Lent, that's what I think about is sacrifice. Jesus is sacrifice. It's not a marriage based on feelings. The problem with making decisions based on your feelings is that feelings depend on how you feel, right? <laughs> 
and our feelings fluctuate. So it's this covenant love, this oneness, this picture of marriage. That is the address we are going to. Oneness. So speaking of the one, sorry to do this tonight, but also not sorry. Uh, there is not one person out there for you. In a world with 8 billion people, that is way too much pressure to assume that there is only one perfect person. It's too much pressure on, pressure on you to find them. Like, shoot, what if they took the earlier bus? What if you stood up instead of sitting down? Like, oh my gosh, butterfly effect, you know? Too much pressure. And, there's, and it doesn't make logical sense for God to do that. And it's too much pressure this idea of the one, to expect a mere human being to complete you. God doesn't want you to be completed by a spouse. God is the one who completes us. God doesn't want you to look to another person to complete you. He has wholeness waiting for you in him. And a lot of marriages go into thinking, oh, the one or a soulmate, and this is going to solve all my problems. And then they go through hard times because that's what happens. And then they think, oh, this must not be the one. That is my problem, right? So I will go and I will find another one, and maybe they will be the one. And it causes so much pain and turmoil. And some of you have experienced that. And all the while, while we are looking to other people to complete us, God is there with this covenant love for us, saying, come to me. Find your identity in me. I have this life for you. I'll give you my Holy Spirit and put my spirit in you so you can live this life that I have for you in the kingdom of God. However, I will say, if you get married, let's just say that they're your one, <laughs> okay? If you get married, that's not your one. Done, okay? All right, so we've talked about marriage. We know our address, where we're headed. So then when we ask, why date? You're like, shoot, wait a second. Does everybody have to get married? Does everybody have to date? Is that what you're saying, Katie? No. Jesus also talks about, hey, there won't be... People, some people won't get married, and that's okay. And that's another topic. We can talk about it later. Not right now. But not everyone has to get married. We all bear God's image. God made male and female to bear his image in the garden, right? And they both did, alone, separately, okay? We, you bear the image of God right now. You are made in the image of God right now. Christian marriage is about male and female coming together in a different way that represents God's covenant love. That is how we image God's love to the world, okay? All right, so you don't have to get married. That's not the point of this message. But many of you will indeed get married. So we date to marry, okay? That's what wisdom would say. So if we know where we're going, 
we know the purpose of dating, then who should we date? I shouldn't date anyone because I am married. Okay, that's just a freebie, not even in the notes. Just write that one down. If I'm married, I should not be dating anyone else. Okay, so there are so many proverbs that speak about this. The Proverbs, remember, is a king writing to his son, imploring him to follow the way of wisdom, even though culture and folly is trying to lead him another way. He's saying, follow the way of wisdom. So Proverbs 31 says, who should we be looking for? One, we should be looking for a person who fears the Lord. Do you guys remember that from a few weeks ago? If you weren't here, go back, listen. We talked about being a person ourselves who fear the Lord. But when we're looking for someone to date, we're going to look for somebody who fears the Lord. Proverbs 31, 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Remember, this king is talking to his son. You can reverse it. Okay. A man who fears the Lord is to be praised. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs says. We should want and look for a wise spouse. Seems intuitive, isn't always. And I think it's interesting here that in Proverbs 31, which if you go and look at it another time, there's a whole discourse on the kind of person that you wanna look for. He's saying you wanna look for a wise person and the wise person would look like this. And he lays it out. And it's really a culmination of everything else in the book of Proverbs. It's like all of the wisdom we've seen in Proverbs. And it's like, this is the kind of person you want to look for. Somebody that is wise. And it's interesting to me in this set of verses that we have this primary value for a Christian that we want to have someone who, we want to look for somebody who fears the Lord. And then... Right before that, we have probably the number one thing culture would say to look for, and that is beauty. Because I think our culture puts a lot of emphasis on our physical looks, right? There's so much pressure, as Sarah Cat was saying earlier, I think there is so much pressure, social media hasn't helped you guys, and I am sorry. You were growing up in a very different world than I did. And I'm so incredibly sorry. But it's not a problem that's new today. This proverb says, charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting. So culture's number one pick for determining who we date is physical attractiveness in our social media, shows that we watch, like the Bachelor series and all the spin-offs. I don't watch them, you shouldn't watch them. And even things that we ask each other. Have you ever been asked, have you guys ever been asked what's your type? Do you typically respond a person who fears the Lord? Because now you can, okay? <laughs> what's my type? A person who fears the Lord. My type is Josh Moran, actually. So, right? So, physical attraction isn't completely too big to be ignored. Physical attraction, right? However, how many of you, show of hands, 
have ever started finding someone else more attractive the more you got to know them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy, huh? Yeah. Wow, look at all these hands. Okay. Yes, Lord. <laughs> all right. It's also not wisdom. It is not wisdom to base who you date off of looks because out of everything we're going to talk about for the next few minutes about who to date, the only one, the literal only one, 100% of the time that I can guarantee you will change. I can't tell you their character is going to change. I can't tell you their beliefs are going to change. I can't tell you the way that they are is going to change, their habits, whatever. I can 100% tell you, and you saw it from earlier, your looks will change. It is literally the only thing that is guaranteed. So it is wise to not base your dating on looks. Beauty is fleeting, our proverb tells us. So our first priority should be a person who fears the Lord. A person who fears the Lord. Do they follow God? And do you define following God the same? Because people can define Christian the same, or differently, sorry. For some people, Christian means that God is a part of their life, right? God is a part of their life. For others, Christian being a Christian means that their whole life is going to be seen through the lens of Jesus. That they're going to look at every single thing in their life through the lens of Jesus. And that is different. And if you don't define that the same way, there will be conflict and frustration. Another thing you should look for into who to date is a person you get along with. Again, seems intuitive, not always is. A person you enjoy being around. We have some proverbs that are really fun here. Remember, it can be a man too, okay? A quarrelsome wife is like the constant dripping of a leaky roof, right? That's annoying, one, irritating, and two, causes a lot of damage, actually. If you have a leaky roof, you should get that checked out. Uh, Ohana. <clears throat> okay, they got it checked out. It's fixed. Sorry to out you. Okay, second, uh, better to live on a corner of the roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Wow. Ouch. I repent, Lord. Uh, a person you get along with. Are you, do you think you'd be able to be good friends? Because guess what? You're going to be friends your whole life if you get married. <laughs> do you enjoy spending time with this person? The basis of a marriage relationship is friendship. So when you're considering who to date, consider, do you enjoy being around that person in all the ways that you've been around them, in all the groups? If it's somebody that annoys you, uh, you could still date them, right? You could still see if you want to get married and make a covenant, but also why? Why would you do that? We literally get a choice. Why would you make a hard one for yourself? I do not know. I don't know. I don't know either. Where? What do quarrels come from? So it says quarrelsome. Quarrel is like an argument. What do quarrels come from? It comes from places of disagreement. So if you are like, man, I really want to date that person. But you know what? Every time we're in a room together, we are always passionate about different things. Oppositely. <laughs> Maybe you should be like, acknowledge they're a great person and move on. Right? 
Are you passionate about the same things? That is important. At least not being passionate about opposite things. I had a few things that I was like, this person that I marry has to have this, this, and this, right? Like, I don't know if you know me, but I'm pretty passionate about being egalitarian, which means that I think one of the main things Jesus did, or one of Jesus's things that he did was come and remove hierarchy between men and women, slaves and masters, Jews and Gentiles, and that um, Jesus is leading us. <laughs> and so I would not be wise 15 years ago to date someone who believed differently, right? Could we? Sure. But again, why? Okay, now we're going to see the next one is who to date. You want to date a person of noble character, a wife of noble character who can find Josh Moran. She is worth far more than rubies. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, a wife of noble character who can find a husband of noble character who can find. He's worth far more than rubies. So what does this mean to have noble character? A person of noble character has integrity. Their next one has integrity, with integrity. What is desired in a man is steadfast love, and a poor man is better than a liar. So does this person have integrity? Are they truthful, right? Are they an honest person? From what you know of them, are they a truth teller? Do they have integrity? What are the circumstances of you dating, right? Like, or starting to date? Are they a person who tells the truth even when it doesn't benefit them? Are they a person of integrity that does the right thing no matter who's there? Also, a person of noble character has self-control. Proverbs 25, 28, a man without self-control, a woman without self-control, is like a city broken into and left without walls. A city broken into and left without walls. That person is unprotected, and it's like being set up for trouble, right? If you live without restraint and you're unable to control yourself, you are setting yourselves up for trouble. If you're controlled by your impulses or feelings, quick to anger, quick to act on, act on your impulses, you're as helpless as a city with a broken down defense, open to attack. And the good news for us is self-control is a fruit of the spirit, which means as you abide in Christ, you will grow and should expect to grow in self-control. So that's great. And I have to pick on a couple of people right now. You can go to the next slide. Okay, culture says, let's get out of this town, drive out of the city, away from the crowds. I thought heaven can't help me now. Nothing lasts forever, but this thing is going to take me down. If you know the gist of that, uh, you know it's about probably a one-night stand, which is impulsive, which is lacking self-control. And so wisdom says that scripture. Also, the next slide. <laughs> Did anybody see that and say, Taylor, girl? I was like, wow. I saw one of the things that uh, Lip Reader did, and they were like, he said some curse words, but then he said, I'm calm now, which I thought was really funny. Okay, so yeah. Do they get like this when they're disappointed? Have you seen them at TNL have an issue and they just get like enraged, they're not ready. That's okay. They have a process. You move on, right? Don't date them. A person of noble character, next slide, 
is someone who you would want your kids to be like, Aww. right? Aww. Also, if you're passionate and you want to have kids, yeah, you should probably make sure the other person does too. Okay, anyways, before you do. Okay, um, so this says, her children arise and call her blessed. Proverbs 31, 28. So if you do have kids, the parents are the primary influence. And so if you're like, man, I was thinking about dating that guy. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I would never want my kids to be like him. That's probably a wise sign to say, no, thank you. So where do I find someone like this? Someone who fears the Lord and has godly character. Uh, I'd say if you come to the number four party school in the nation, according to the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> Looks that up today, guys. I think it was from last year. It definitely was this year or last year. Uh, so if you come to that school, which shall remain nameless, nameless, and if you come to campus on a Tuesday night and there are people at a university in a room worshiping God, sitting through a sermon on dating the day before Valentine's Day, waiting for their spring break meeting where they've devoted their whole entire spring break and they've asked people to support them, right? To the kingdom of God advancing, well, I'd say that's a pretty good place to start. And I am so excited for you guys to consider this because you're world changers. And as you seek wisdom from God, as you find your identity in Christ, right? As you think about marriage being the end goal and consider the type of marriage God asks us to have. That God, as you trust him, will make your path straight as you trust in him and as you submit to him in the areas of dating. So I think drive Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. The last one. Yeah, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways, even dating, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. God is trustworthy. His record of faithfulness is 100% all the time. As we move towards responding, um, if Rachel can come and play the keys for us. I really like music specifically. I also just like having a little bit of noise. So if you want to like cry or if you want to like talk to God out loud, you can. Uh, so wisdom and dating. Who to date? Why date? Should I date? What does God want you to know tonight? What sticks with you? What do you think God wants you to know, to believe, or to act on tonight because of the wisdom in Proverbs? Maybe it's committing to be intentional in this area. Maybe it's courage to be different than the people around us, people before us. Maybe it's to be careful about what we're consuming because it shapes our view of marriage and where we're headed. Maybe you just need to ask God for help in navigating 
this incredibly important area of our lives. So I want that verse to just stay up there, and I want you to pray. You can respond however the Lord is asking you to, but at some point I'd like you to pray and just ask the Lord for help. Help to trust in the Lord. Help to submit your thoughts about dating, your actions in dating to the Lord. And then ask God to help you trust that he will. He doesn't say he might. says he will make your path straight. So God, we just give you this time. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us, that you would speak to the students in this room. God, that they would have words from you in their minds, words about your great covenant with them. Lord, if they haven't said yes to stepping into that covenant with you, Lord, I pray that they would. I pray that as they heard about marriage and heard about this commitment, this faithfulness that you have created and designed marriage for, I pray that they would see your love for them. As they think about sacrifice in marriage, would they see your sacrifice that we're beginning to walk to on the cross through this Lenten season? Would they say yes to following you and committing to you first to become a person of wisdom, a person who fears and loves the Lord. And I pray that we would all recognize and submit who we date and how we think about marriage to you. We think about the purpose and intention of dating to you. So we just speak to us during this time, Lord, and have your way. In the name of Jesus.
guys stand with me? We did not cover everything tonight about dating. I realized that. And about the complexities of relationships, complexities of marriage, sex, and we want to give you guys a space to ask questions, um, to see what we think about what scripture says, and we're just general questions about dating. And so we're going to put up a question box on the Instagram stories. I promise you, I know it's not anonymous, but I promise you'll hold that in confidence. Um, the couple of people that will see the Instagram have access to it um, on the staff team, and we'll hold that in confidence through questions. And we're going to have time another time, maybe potentially even next week, to talk more about these things. And so we just want to know, where are you? What questions do you have? And so make sure um, at some time tonight or over the next day or the next 24 hours, because that's how long the story lasts, uh, that you uh, just ask that. And so I just want to pray over you all. God, I pray that we would be a community that trusts you, that we would be a community found in Christ, and that in all of our ways, including dating, that we would submit to you, that we would go beyond our feelings, and we would be brought to a point of intention, being intentional, and that we would trust you, God, that you will make our path straight, that you are the God who is faithful. You are the God who will always be there with us, no matter what. So would our view of you increase, and would you help us to trust you to walk in wisdom in dating, even in the world around us? Would you give us courage to live for you? And Lord, I just pray that each person in this room would be able to have a conversation with someone else about this topic this week, and that we would be what Kyle stands for, Christ ambassadors on this campus. Because God, we know people are longing for this kind of love that you give, and this kind of love that is modeled in Christian marriage. So God, I thank you and I ask you for these things. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. The Lord turn his countenance towards you. May the Lord give you peace as you navigate wisdom in dating. Go Dukes.